Our Old Testament reading this morning is uh, the prayer of Hannah. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the opening nine verses. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full have themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and rises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seals them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's New Testament reading comes to us from the book of Revelation. It is in the seventh chapter, beginning at the ninth verse and continuing through the seventeenth. Again, I invite you to listen. For a word from the Lord as it is there written, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes, all people, all languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation! belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood round the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white? And where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, And worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. And thirst no more. The sun 
will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's New Testament passage from the book of Revelation is that appointed for reading on this All Saints Day. This year, as it so happens, that day, the 1st of November, falls on a Sunday. So for a change, we get to commemorate the saints on the very day marked out on our church calendar for doing that. All Saints Day, that used to be a a pretty big thing when I was growing up. My high school was a Catholic boys' school. They gave us the whole day off every year that November the 1st fell on a weekday. And we were strongly, strongly encouraged to go to Mass on that day. But this non-Catholic simply chose to sleep in late on the day after Halloween. What a gift that was. I think it's still a pretty big deal in some circles, in in Catholic circles for sure, because the whole notion of saints is a pretty big deal to our brothers and sisters in the Roman church, much less so for we descendants of the Protestant Reformation, the event which we just commemorated this past Sunday. Still, I think we risk tossing the baby out with the bathwater if we completely disregard the idea of celebrating the contributions of the saints to the life and witness of the faith and the church over the generations. Perhaps one of the chief distinctions between the Catholic Church's veneration of the saints and our admiration of the saints lays in semantics. There is a precise formal and oftentimes, historically, lengthy process for the Vatican to certify someone as having been a saint. We don't have that problem. For most non-Catholics I know, the use of the term saint is much wider and less specific in nature than that of our Catholic friends. For us, Well, we may be able to name a number of people that we have known quite well and refer to each of them as a saint. For what we think of when we use the word is oftentimes someone who has been a a faithful witness, someone who has been a charitable giver, someone who has been a sacrificial servant, as we talked about this morning in our lesson from Sunday school. Now this group of saints, they may include such people as beloved grandparents or aunts or uncles, perhaps even fathers or mothers, friends, mentors, bosses who are servant leaders. This is, I think, a less daunting sense for us when we say saint. It's therefore attainable by mere mortals. In fact, I would argue that 
Such folks are just those who in the scene from the world to come that we hear of in Revelation 7 comprise this throng that stands around the throne of the Lamb, waving their palm branches in their white robes. What we know of them is not anything about their deeds, but simply about their reliance on the saving power of Christ. This heavenly scene, which is somewhat reminiscent, I think, of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem that Sunday before his crucifixion, is a beautiful one for us to picture in our minds. There, united as one, stand an innumerable multitude of people. They come from every nation. They come from every people who has ever dwelt on earth. Whatever they don't share in common, language, color, gender, age, is now insignificant. All that distinguishes them now is the Lamb, the one in whom they all trust, the one in whose blood they have all been washed clean of their sins and of their differences. And even more moving is that we can see ourselves as counted in that number. The great cloud of witnesses to which the author refers to in the book of Hebrews can include us. The faithful are recipients of God's gift of adoption through Christ, both in the world to come, but as well in this world that exists now. In our Friday morning men's Bible study and prayer group, we've been using a commentary on Ephesians written recently for folks who have found themselves living, as the author puts it, in scary times. Now, that could well apply to any time, really, I suppose, but the author couches some points about our relationship with, with God through Christ in that book in the negative to begin with. She says, we are excluded from citizenship in the kingdom of God. We are foreigners. We are without hope. We are without God. However, with Christ, the opposite applies. In the positive now, no longer separated, we are citizens in the kingdom of God. We are not strangers. We have hope. We have God, for he has us. This runs quite parallel to this vision contained in Revelation, both here in chapter 7 and elsewhere in the final book of Scripture. For those who have received the gift of Jesus, we are granted citizenship now and forever in the kingdom of our Heavenly Father, the one in whom alone there is hope, and the one who calls his own unto him forever. John the seer paints a vivid portrait of what the life of the saints looks like in the life to come. It is certainly a beautiful sight to imagine. But no less beautiful are the visions of what the life of the saints looks like right in the midst of the life of the here and the now. Oh, we might not call them saints as such, but their works speak for themselves. Jesus did a pretty good job of 
pointing out such people for us when he delivered the Beatitudes, his Sermon on the Mount. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, he says, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Providentially, this happens to be the appointed gospel lectionary reading for today. So I'm guessing that some respected theologians who put together that calendar of texts for worship had a similar line of thought in mind. That the word prophets in the final clause of the Beatitudes, rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, this could just easily be replaced by and mean saints. These categories that Jesus has just lifted, these categories of the blessed, they were active in the world in Jesus' day, and they are just as much active in the world in our own day. The saints, they continue to walk among us the frontline or essential workers, as they have become known in the media, the medical professionals who continue to alleviate pain and suffering of bodies and of minds, the public safety professionals who continue to respond to emergencies, great and small, and meet people in some of the worst times of their lives, the folks who deliver all the stuff that we used to go out and get for ourselves. Food, medicine, pet supplies, the grocery store clerks and stockers, the ones who continue to provide us the basics to eat, to clean, and to wash with. So many other people. And then there are those who continue to do the work of the church in these times, the delivering of relief supplies to survivors of natural disasters, as we heard this morning in our moment for mission. The provision of personal protective equipment of electricity and of running water to some of the least of these here in the U.S. Aid, encouragement, and evangelism to those in need of clean clothes to wear a safe, warm place to sleep, healthy meals for those who are looking for work and more long-term housing. These two, I believe, are saints. But you may be saying to yourself, I'm not doing any of those things. Perhaps you are. The saints continue to walk among us and they may even be us. We may not see it that way, but I bet others do. When we offer prayer and financial assistance to our ministry partners 
locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally, who are doing just these things that I have listed. We are empowering and equipping the saints for the work to which they have been called, and we also are being faithful to the call that has been placed upon us to aid as we are uniquely able to do. When we contribute items to place in shoeboxes for distribution to children, we don't know and we'll never know. When we provide meals for folks who are going through a rough patch, when we collect items for distribution to some of those in need of warmer garments this winter, when we offer to some frontline workers a tangible offering of our gratitude, letting them know how much we truly appreciate their service. There are so many acts of evil, and there are so many scenes of ugliness that are foremost in the news. There's so much vile language tossed about on social media these days, yet to those with eyes to see and ears to hear, there are a multitude of saints, not just resting from their labors, but also who are actively at work in this world, bearing in small or great deeds witness to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it is right and a good and joyful thing for us to pause on this day to consider the legacy and the ongoing work of the saints of the Lord. For all the saints who were and who art and who evermore shall be, and for that we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.